One of the things we do here at Evangel is we pray. We pray. We pray. We gather together weekly and we pray. We pray until something happens. And so as we pray and we press in and God has just set us on this new trajectory of prayer, um, God has been meeting us. Because when we pray, things happen. Um, and God makes them happen. He moves. And, um, and so we gather together Wednesday nights. If you're not at Wednesday nights yet, get there. Um, we're filling the place. The house is getting filled every time we gather. You're missing out if you're not there. God wants to do something special in your life. And if you just give that time to him, watch what he does. So make it a priority. Come there this week. Come with your family. Come just with needs. And we're just pressing in as God will meet them. We got a note here while I was worshiping in service. Someone handed this. I don't even know who handed it, but it's an answer to God's, uh, God's miraculous answer to prayer in their lives. Two weeks ago, the doctor said my four-year-old daughter needed open-heart surgery. We came together and we prayed and everything went so well in the exam. The blood work, everything came back normal. We praise God. There's now need for no surgery, no alteration. This child has been touched by God. Praise God. He's doing what he does best. And that's why we pray. That's why we seek God. That's why we do these things. So I encourage you, prayer isn't a part of your life. Make it a part of your life and join us as we come together uh, to pray as well. We're in a, an amazing series, and the title of this series is Gifted, and I thank God for Pastor Marsha last week and the message that came forth. I, I felt the power of God from seven, 8,000 miles away in Africa as I'm watching it on my cell phone, and tears are filling my eyes. Uh, God met you yet last Sunday, amen? God met us in this place. And guess what? He's still meeting us here today. Uh, he's got more work to do. It might look different. It might feel different. It might have felt more stripped down. But I want you to know the same power uh, that rose Jesus Christ from the dead is at work here. That's what the Bible says. It says that the same things that happened in the Bible, the same things we read about when someone decides to follow Jesus, the same things we see happen when Jesus heals and restores the miracles, all of that. Um, God can still do it today, and God still does it today. And uh, we're pressing into that, and we're learning and growing uh, during this series. If you're just joining us for the first time, we're walking through a series called Gifted. And the idea behind this series is the Bible teaches us that when you begin to follow Jesus, a few things happen. Number one, your sins are forgiven. You're not the same person that you used to be. The Bible says you become like a new creation. If you don't yet follow Jesus, but you met someone who has followed Jesus, you might look at them and say things like this. They're like a completely different person. You know why? Because the Bible teaches that they are a different person. They're not who they used to be. And what happens is uh, we receive, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit. He now lives in us. You can't see him, but he's always there. Um, he lives in us. And Part of what the Bible promises is that when you follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit's living inside of you, that you receive gifts. You become gifted in a special series of ways. And as you live for God and as you begin to walk in the fullness of what he has for your life, you begin to operate in these gifts. And so they're called the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible teaches about them clearly in multiple places in the New Testament. And it happened for them then. And guess what? It happens today as well. And so we're walking through the scriptures and we're exploring these gifts of the Holy Spirit. And guess what? You might be gifted. I know that if you're a follower of Jesus, you are gifted. Um, and you're gifted in a special way. And God wants you to understand that. And he wants you to walk in the fullness of it. So let's open up with, uh, with the scriptures today. And let's look in Romans chapter 12, starting in verse one. We're going to be reading in Romans chapter 12 here. It's in the New Testament. And as we walk through this, we're going to understand a bit more about this. So I'm going to pray and just ask the Lord to speak to us right now. God, I just submit this word to you in this moment. Lord, I'm not coming up here just to give my thoughts. But Lord, I'm, I'm coming here and I'm just humbling myself before your word. Your word is so powerful. It's living and active. And I know today, by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, you'll speak through me to, uh, to speak to your people. And Lord, I just, I pray more than anything that none of my words come through, just your words would come through, the things you want to say to the hearts of your people. Help us to understand the way that your Holy Spirit desires to work in us and through us and lead us. And Lord, help us as a church to become everything you've called us to be because of this message and this word, Lord God. 
as we apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to break down a part of this passage in Romans 12. If you're there, say, I'm here. Here. If you're here, text us that you're here. <sighs> Joke, but you, do, you, you might want to let us know something. I would encourage you today. It's a great day for you to be taking notes um, on the message. And so you should be uh, pulling out your bulletin, anything you can, write down. We're going to be going through some things that I think will be very helpful to you. I know uh, some have said to me in the last service that in all their years of following the Lord, they've uh, never kind of quite had a teaching on the gifts of the Spirit like, like we have today in front of us. And uh, my prayer is that it'll be clear for you, that you will understand something that some people have been confused by. And our God is not a God of confusion. He's given us what we need in his word to understand him. And so I hope that you'd write that down. But here's something I'll share with you as we go into this message, um, that if you have any questions along the way, something's confusing to you, don't quite understand it. I want to encourage you to let us know. And the best way you can do that is by taking out your phone, texting a pretty familiar number uh, that you see us put up every single week. If you have questions, send them to us. Just send us a text message with whatever your question might be to 908-325-5163. And anytime you have a question about what we're teaching about this, this uh, series, about one of the messages, we're going to take in all those questions in the final Sunday of this series is going to be a question and answer Sunday where our pastors and leaders, we're going to be here and we're going to dive into some of those questions and provide some answers from God's word. Sound good? All right, let's ready. Are you ready? Let's jump in. It says here in Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 1, it says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. There's a lot going on here. Let's just take a moment and let's just dive into this. Paul says, I'm pleading with you. He's, he's pleading with a group of believers, just like us. He's pleading with a church. And he's saying, I, I plead with you, give your bodies to God. Give your whole self to God. Don't just give him your words when you sing, but give him your life. Give him your bodies. Live for him because of everything he has done for you. Here's what I like to say. Jesus died for my sins. Do you know that? He died for your sins. And he rose from the dead. And because Jesus died for me, I'm going to live for him. Will someone say amen to that? Come on, is anyone else with me that today, because he died for me, I'm going to live for him? That's what he says. So live for him. Live your life for him, not for yourself. He said, don't copy the behaviors of this world. But instead, be transformed into a brand new person by changing the way that you think. And when you do that, you begin to learn something so important you begin to learn the will of God in your life. Do you know this? That if you are a follower of Jesus, and even if you're not today, God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life. Whether or not you recognize that yet doesn't make it untrue. God has a plan for your life. He created you for a purpose. The question is, are you walking in that purpose yet? I say yet because you may not have walked in it one step yet in your life, but I'm convinced of this. If you're here today, I'm believing God is trying to get your attention if you don't yet follow him because he wants you to walk in his purpose. I want you to know that the greatest thing you can do in this life is not do something that would go down in the history books or something that would invent this thing. Those are all good. But the greatest thing you could do in this life won't be by the number of accolades, the amount of money, any of those things. It will get into the end of your life and answering this one question, did I fulfill the purpose that God had for me? Because I want you to know, if you fulfilled that purpose, that's all that matters in the end. And if you have all these other great things that you've done over here, and you have a trophy room full of accolades, you have a bank account overflowing with money, and you get to the end of the life, and you realize you never fulfilled the purpose God has for you, then what good is it all? Man, I enjoyed it, but did I do the thing I was created to do? Here's what I realize. That if you're not living and walking in the purpose that God has for your life, there will be an inward frustration and even an inward emptiness that will kind of haunt you until you begin to walk in the purpose that God has for you. 
Some of you, you think that that frustration is your spouse or your job or your circumstance or your stage of life, but I believe it's this today. Hear me. I believe it's a lack of walking maybe in the purpose that God has for you. And watch what happens when your life begins to become aligned with the purpose that God has for you, and you're doing the thing he created you to do. It's beautiful. Paul says it like this. You begin to learn what God's will is for you. His good, it's good. It's pleasing, and it's perfect. It's good. It feels good. You sense it. It's pleasing. It's pleasing to God. It's even pleasing to you, and it's perfect. It's custom fit for even just you. It's without blemish. It's without defect. It's a thing God made you to do. And I want you to know, this might sound like some pipe dream, but I want you to know God's word declares this. He makes it so clear that he has a plan for you. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you're not exempt from this. You do not walk through life wondering if God has a plan for you. Because he definitely does. It's not about you wondering if he does or if he doesn't. It is what is the plan you have for me, God, because you have a plan. God does nothing by accident. He does nothing by happenstance. He has a plan. He has a purpose. He has a will for your life. And I hope you'll make it your desire. I hope you'll make it your goal to discover the purpose and plan that God has for your life. You'll find everything changes when you begin to do that. But I think there's a big problem. The big problem is this. Many of us have exchanged God's will for our wants. I've exchanged God's will for my want. I want this. I want that. I want this. I want that. And you have this long list of things, but you're a follower of God now. You have been following Jesus, and I want you to know that you surrender my wants for his will every time. Lord, I know what I want, but I want even more your will in my life to be accomplished got really quiet in here today. Hear it. It's the truth of God's word today. He wants us to walk in his plan and his purpose. So Paul then goes on in verse 3. Let's look at Romans chapter 12, verse 3. He says this, because of the privilege and the authority that God gives me, has given me as a leader. That's what Paul's saying. I want to give you a warning. Don't think of that you are better than you really are. <laughs> That's a pretty, pretty important warning to get. I want to give you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Don't think of yourself too highly. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. So here's what he says. Don't think too highly of yourselves. He said, hear this warning. Don't think too highly of yourselves, but you must evaluate yourself. You must go through a process to understand something very, very important, which Paul is about to get to. You need to understand yourself and you need to measure yourself by the faith that God has given to you. So you need to understand this one thing, that God has gifted you. He has gifted you. Look what he says in Romans 12, 4 and 5. He says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. And in his grace, verse 6, God has given us different gifts to do certain things well. All right, so let's put all these pieces together that we've just been saying. You are called to give your life to God, to let your life be lived for him, to not just try to match this world, to not just try to emulate the patterns and thinking of this world, to not just go after my wants, but to go after God's will. And when you surrender your life to God, when you truly begin to walk towards him and try to understand what his plan for your life is, you'll find it. And you'll find it, and it will be good and pleasing and perfect. And so what Paul says to do next is he says, now you need to evaluate yourself. There needs to be an evaluation to begin for you to truly understand how God has created you, who he has called you to be, because he said, you're a part of a body. I want you to know, if you have decided to follow Jesus, if you've surrendered your life to him in that way, if you're a follower, if you're a Christian today, I want you to know, Jesus did not save you to put you into a waiting room and live the rest of your life waiting for heaven. He has placed you in a body, a group of people into a church, and it's so important that you're a part of a church. If this is your church family, uh, we are so delighted that you're a part of this family. If you're here today and you have another church home and that's the body that you are connected to, I want you to know part of the way that God has created you is to be connected to the body of Christ, which is the church. 
And when you do that, there's, it, goes, it gets even better. That because you're connected, there is a gift that is in you, and it allows you to function in a certain way. And Paul says it's just like a human body. That there are all these different body parts. And when they're all working together, doing what they're created to do, the body is healthy, and beautiful things happen. So I want you, you weren't just saved to sit in a pew. You were saved to serve the body of Christ. You were saved to be a part of God's plan and his kingdom to advance and lives to be changed forever. He's got work for you to do. You're gifted. He's got something for you to do, to put your hand to. But I think we have created churches that have become glorified waiting rooms for heaven. And we come and we sit and we sing songs and we listen. We're kind of encouraged. And then we leave. And we come and they're like kind of cafeterias. I wasn't fed today. It's like, I don't know if the point of the church is to feed you. It's to use you, to get you working for the kingdom of God. I don't know that it's a cafeteria. I don't know that it's a waiting room. It's a place we come together. We're built up and we go out and we do something to serve God and change the world in his name. That's the church. That wasn't in my notes today. That's, that's what it's about. And when the, when, the, when the church is being the church, it's the most powerful force in this world. When the church is doing what the church is created to do. But here's what I realize, and this is the travesty today, that we can't be everything God has created us to be until you're willing to become everything God has created you to be. We can't be everything God's called us to be until you're willing to become everything God's, God has created you to be until we begin to really live into the giftings that God has placed within us, until we begin to really pursue them intentionally, we'll never be able to become who God truly has for us to be. There'll be missed opportunities. I truly believe that, church. I I had to struggle with Mandy as we were looking at this word, and she's like, oh, I mean, could that really be the case? I mean, I would think that if, if we're not doing it, God would just send someone else. And I, I said, maybe he will, but I think there are often times that, that that if we're not doing it, he's tapping us on the shoulder. He's calling us to do it. And then there are just people over and over and over again excusing themselves from the plan of God, and yet we still expect God will just do it anyways. He's chosen to use us. Are we just making excuses about our own lack? Well, God will do it anyways. Then what's the purpose of saving us? What's the purpose of building us? What's the purpose of changing us? He wants to use us. Could you imagine the fire call goes out, and it hits station one? And the fire is blazing, and they say, you know what? Yeah, it's good, but, like, there's a ton of firehouses. Someone else will go and do it. And then the next one, and the next one, and the whole time the house is burning down. That's not how it works. If you've been gifted, if you've been equipped, whenever you hear the call, when you feel the prompt, you say, it's time to go. It's come to do the thing that we've been trained, created, prepared to do. That's church. That's what we're called to do. And you've been gifted, church. And it's time to learn those gifts. It's time to lean into those gifts. It's time to walk in those gifts. And when we do it, God begins to build something so beautiful. You know, when we were in Africa, um, I have just one story I'll share with you. And it was just such a beautiful moment. And we, we had gone into different villages, and we had been in one village one day, and the highlight, I felt like, of the, free, of the time where we were playing with the kids, everyone broke up. Some people kicked soccer balls. Some people played Frisbee. Some played with a parachute. Some just ran around with kids and just were taking pictures and blowing bubbles and having a great time. But one of the things that really intrigued me was the coloring time. A group went over behind some bushes in a little field area, and they just sat down on a tarp, and they just began to color. And let me tell you, to see 20-year-old teenagers, young adults that are just as excited about coloring as my four-year-old daughter was interesting. They had not done this before, and they were coloring so meticulously, and they were creating these beautiful pictures, and we had, you know, had these coloring sheets that we had had, and we had some markers and some crayons, and they just took such great care of it, and I believe many of them are going to go home, and they're going to hang it somewhere. Maybe if we're back in a year, we'll see it. Well, the next day, well, that night, when we're back at the hotel, we're going through the process of getting ready, and we have a group messaging chat that we text message each other with announcements and news and things we need to be aware of, and the message goes across, hey, everyone, we can't find the coloring sheets for tomorrow. There are hundreds of coloring sheets. We don't know where they are. Does anyone know where the coloring sheets are? So everyone's checking their bags. No one can find them. We have a couple hundred children that we're about to go to another village, and we have no coloring sheets. We have markers. We have crayons. 
So we said, okay, we'll figure it out tomorrow morning. We get in the van and the bus. We're on our way into the city. Now, in the middle of Uganda, we have to start stopping at stores, going in, asking for coloring sheets. So they go to stationary stores, and they're going wherever, and the team is kind of waiting. We have ministry to do. We want to get there, but we know this is very important. We want to be able to bless the kids in this way. So as we're sitting in the bus, and they go in, they call on the phone. They say, there's no coloring sheets here either. And on the bus, as we're sitting there, we come up with this idea. We say, do they have Xerox paper? Do they have copy paper? I said, yeah, they have copy paper. I said, Tori is really good at drawing. Mike is really good at drawing. Get the paper, bring it. We're going to make our own coloring sheets for them. So we sit in the bus. We pull up a picture. Go back. We pull up a picture of that we took there the day before. Look at Tori looking at that picture. She literally drew from that picture identical uh, photos, uh, identical graphics to that to create coloring pages for the kids in this village. So as we're driving, we have her doing this. She's making it kind of meticulously. We're on bumpy roads in Uganda. So it's literally like this. We're driving, speed bump, she stops. We hit the bumps, she draws a little bit more. Pothole, she stops. You can see she was actually beginning to anticipate it. Mike Gamble, another guy on the team, he made an elephant, this beautiful elephant drawing. I mean, they did all that. We went we went to a copy store. We made 300 copies of the things we drew in the van and went out, and then we began to distribute them in the village, coloring and, and ministering. It was, it was awesome. I tell you that because here's what we always default to. We don't have the coloring sheets. We don't have what we need. Okay, let's go somewhere. It must be on a shelf somewhere. It must be in a store somewhere. What we really need is outside of us. No, it was in the van the whole time. It was inside of someone. They had to recognize it. You had to realize it, and you had to then step into it. And because of that, something beautiful happened, and ministry took place. This is the way the gifts work in the body. We need something. We realize it. We're gonna, our first thought is, how can we go buy it? We don't need to buy it. The second thought is, well, God will someday send us someone. In a church aside, no, no, no. What's needed is already in the house. And we often then finally get to the point where we realize maybe it's me. Let's turn that around, church. Let's begin to ask, God, how have you gifted me? What have you called me to do? And so you need to recognize those giftings that you have in you, and then you begin to lean into them. And let me just tell you, I was... You know, it, was, it got really tense for a couple minutes in that van because my drawing got, got shot down and they didn't make any copies of it. It would have been good. I don't even think they left it in Africa. They refused to even leave it there. They brought it home back to the States. They didn't want it to get there. But I needed to know. I needed that, I needed that word of encouragement and that, 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 I needed that word of correction, right? That's not my gift. Sometimes, that's what Paul said, don't think more highly of yourself than you really are. You may think it's a gift, but it might be a stick figure. Are you with me? So I had to realize that. And it's hard to probably tell your pastor it didn't make the final cut. But it's hard for us as well as leaders to look and say, we love you. I know you feel that, but it's a stick figure. Are you with me? So, so it's a part of this process, and Paul warns them. He says, be careful. Because we start going around self, hey, the, I, this is my gift. I know it. I know it. Make sure you always submit that humbly to leaders, to wisdom, to authority to say, hey, I, this is what I believe, but God's the giver of the gift. And then that gift is kind of confirmed in the counsel, multitude of others in the body of Christ, and there's a discerning that goes on. It didn't take much discerning. I don't think they needed a word from the Lord to know uh, whether that was my gift or not. But we're meant to understand where our gifting might be. And so we struggled to say, how can we help the church here at Evangel how can we help ourselves to best understand where our gifts might be? And our minds went quickly to uh, some kind of survey, some kind of test, some kind of spiritual gifts inventory, and we started looking at them, looked at five or seven or eight of them. The problem was that they were lacking. They, they, they kind of ask you more questions about what you like and what your preferences are, and there's some value there. But here's what we realize deep within us. There is no blueprint or any directive in the scriptures that says the way to understand your spiritual gift is to take some kind of test to tell you if that's your spiritual gift. Um, that might be even your natural gifting. You might show up there, and you think it's your spiritual gift. Are you with me? Does that make sense? So what we have decided to do is that we're going to, I'm going to do teaching over the next weeks on these spiritual gifts, 
And then I need you to be praying, church, because here's what I believe. The Holy Spirit can help you see where your spiritual gifts might be. If you can understand them clearly, you think about your life, you think about the promptings, you spend time in prayer, and then we can together as a church explore where those giftings might be. But here's what I know for sure. Every single one of us that are followers of Jesus, you're gifted, and he has a gift for you. And I want you to know that, and it's something he's working in you, and you may not even realize it, and it's something he's desiring to work in you that you have not yet tapped into. And so let's just explore those. So for the rest of the message, I want to take time. I'm going to give you seven definitions of seven of the gifts that show up here in Romans chapter 12. In the weeks to come, we're going to explore in Ephesians 4. We're going to explore in Corinthians 12. There's other passages that talk about the other gifts Um, But these are seven of them that are vitally important and seven of them that I believe that many here in the body might possess, even in this service. Some of these gifts are in you and you don't even know it. And so let's just take time. Let's just ask the Holy Spirit to lead us, to speak to us, and to give us clarity as we are understanding these better. Lord, just speak to us from your word and Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts as we explore these gifts that we can understand them best. In your name we pray. Amen. I mean, I'm going to encourage you to take notes during this time as I put these definitions up, but I will tell you that in the weeks to come, we're going to be creating one card, one resource we're going to put in everyone's hand that will have every one of the spiritual gifts we've taught on with a short definition of it to help you better explore and pray about it. Does that sound good? So everything I'm putting here, it's going to be given to you. You'll have it in your hands in the weeks to come, but we're going to just give you seven right now to help you understand them a bit better. So it says here, I'm going to read verses 6 through 8, because this is where Paul begins to list the spiritual gifts in Romans 12. He says this in 6 again, In his grace he has given us different gifts to do certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, then speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If the gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. If you have the gift of showing kindness to others, then do it gladly. So there are seven gifts here. We're going to understand them. I'm going to put them on the screen. I'll put a definition up to help you process that as we go forward. The first one that Paul mentions is the gift of prophecy. I want to mention to you that in all the gifts lists we see, prophecy comes up over and over and over again. In fact, Paul says, I desire that all would prophesy, that we would all have this ability to prophesy. We're going to understand a bit more of what that means. Prophecy is a very loaded term. Um, You can see that there's a lot of teaching on it. Some teaching is very solid. It's very grounded in scripture. Other teaching out there is the stick figure teaching, okay? Um, I just want to be real with you. Be, be mindful. Submit, always make sure what you're hearing lines up with what God's word says, okay? Are you with me? Because there's a very real thing called false prophets. False prophecy is very real, okay? And, I'm, and I just know that I know it's, it's rampant. It's rampant in circles. Um, and so just be mindful. Get your definitions, get clarity from the word of God regarding these things uh, so we're not in error. Um, So the gift of prophecy, this idea is to speak forth, to declare. We'll see prophets were in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And this kind of prophecy is prompted by the spirit of God within us. The spirit of the Lord in the Old Testament, the Bible says that he would come upon someone and then they would prophesy. It'd be by the Spirit's utterance, by the Spirit speaking through someone that this would happen. Again, it happened in the Old, the Old Testament, it happened in the New Testament, and it happens today still, because Jesus is still alive, and his Spirit is still working in the church. But many people under, misunderstand the gift of prophecy, because they think it's all about foretelling, telling about the future. That if someone's a prophet, it means that they can begin to understand things that are coming down the road and that they will know things. And some would think they know the winning Powerball number next week. And they can, it's about a foretelling. It's about knowing these, these key things in the future that no one knows. And, and so it's all about foretelling. And I think that's where things get imbalanced because it's not as much about foretelling. That is a part of it as it is also about forthtelling. And so there's a difference between foretelling, that's about the future, and forthtelling, that is declaring truth. It is declaring the truth of God. It is declaring the reality of God. It is declaring 
who God is, his heart, his character. So as much as prophets were talking about the future and about what's to come, they were often standing there declaring passionately the heart of God to situations, to circumstances, to the world. And so you'll even see in our own lifetime when God is working through his people at times, he'll give them a prophetic voice and they might call out things in this world. They might call out things that are not there. I I think of people like Christine Kane, that there's a prophetic word that she gives over and over again about slavery because it doesn't line up with God's heart, and there are more slaves in the world now than ever. So you'll hear her when she talks sometimes, and the gift of prophecies have it. She's speaking words about the truth of God, about what he would have, and it's changing things. Does that make sense? So just to use an example there, um, that's one way. So you'll see this, and it's a foretelling. It's a boldness. It, it brings clarity. Uh, Pastor Marsha and I were talking between services. It's, it's almost like a flashlight that what isn't as clear as, this, as God's working through the gift of prophecy becomes clear. It's like a light is turned on. But here's the most important thing about it. All prophecy finds its fullness in Jesus. All prophecy points to Jesus. I see Pastor uh, Pastor. Rick and Jess sitting here in front in a verse that you've reminded me of over and over and over again. It comes right here that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Everything of prophecy has its fullness in Jesus. Every Old Testament prophet that was used by God, if you look and you watch that, there's always a pointing to Jesus. They didn't even know they were pointing to him. But all the prophecy is finding its fullness in Jesus. And in the, in the New Testament, it's all pointing to Jesus. I want you to know, when we look at this kind of prophecy, it's all about Jesus. So if someone's coming to tell you about lottery tickets or about that or about that, if it's not pointing with to Jesus, it's not prophecy, okay? It's something else. It's fortune telling. It's other kinds of things. But I want you to prophecy is about pointing to Jesus. And that's what it's all about. And so we, when it's pointed in that way, it's, it's a powerful thing. So let me give you the definition. The gift of prophecy is spirit-empowered proclamation of the living word Jesus, who is the center and ultimate revelation of the written word of God. I know there's a lot there, but that's as, that's as much as I can give you for that. We'll continue to scale it and, and, and work with it. We're going to come back to prophecy a few times throughout the series because it shows up so many times. But let me just give you this definition. I want you to think on it, pray on it, and, uh, and you'll see this as it comes forward. The verse I shared with you uh, is in Revelation chapter 19, verse 10. Um, an amazing, amazing uh, reference there that just kind of points everything to Jesus. And you'll see the Old Testament prophets. Uh, it's about Jesus. It's about serving Jesus. It's about pointing towards him. The second gift that we come across here in the list, it says serving others. If you serve others, serve them well. We're going to call that the gift of helps. The reason we're doing that is because this same gift shows up in another passage of Scripture, and it's called the gift of helps. So the gift of helps is all about helping, coming alongside of others. Um, The gift of helps, I'll give you the definition, is the spirit-given ability to serve the church in any supporting role to release others to minister in other spiritual gifts. The gift of helps is this beautiful gift because God has gifted someone. He's gifted Asha, let's say, with the gift of teaching, and he's given her that. And she is meant to teach, and she's meant to share and and do that, and we'll get to the gift of teaching. But she can't because there are certain administrative functions she needs to get ready. She has to run copies, and she has to plan this, and she has to do these other things. And they're actually, in many ways, keeping her from fully being able to step into the gift of teaching that is there. God has made it in such a way, because we're all parts of one body, that he's gifted certain people that that is the very thing they find fulfillment in. It's the very thing that they find joy in. It's the very thing that God has uniquely equipped them with to literally come across others and say, how can I lighten the load for you so you can go on to do the thing that God has called and created you to do? The gifts of help is a beautiful thing. In fact, we see it that it's a part of what comes into the heart of the deacons in the early church, that they say we have to commit ourselves to the ministry of the word and to prayer, and so God is going to raise up men and, and, and leaders full of the Holy Spirit, and they will now tend to some of these needs, the needs of the widows and others. Why? So we could release them to other things. So there are gifts in you, and God will send those with the gift of helps to literally alleviate that. We have a, a, a ministry that we do here at the church called Serve Day Thursday. I believe it is a helps-based giftedness that people come alongside, and, you, and you, what you literally do when you're serving on Serve Day Thursday, you're stuffing bulletins, you're sorting curriculum, you're doing all these things, but you know what you're doing? You're releasing our pastors and our leaders from doing those things, and then they're committing to the things that God has gifted them to do in leading and preaching and whatever the area might be. Do you see how the body of Christ is meant to work together? It's a beautiful thing. So that's the gift of helps. 
The gift is lending a hand wherever so that you're literally supporting others to go and work in the gifting that God has given them as well because this is your gifting. So that's, that's amazing, and you need to pray. God may have given you that gift to serve in the gift of helps. We have the gift of teaching. The gift of teaching is the supernatural ability to explain clearly and apply effectively, those are very important things, the truth of the word of God. So there's four things here you need to sense that comes out of this. It's to explain clearly, to apply effectively truth from the word of God. That You could be a gifted, a naturally gifted teacher, but it's different than the gift of teaching in Scripture. The gift of teaching is all about being rooted in the Word of God. You may be the most eloquent teacher. You may be so good at connecting things when it comes to your school and, and vocation, whatever it is that you do. And it very well might be possible that as you follow Jesus and as the Holy Spirit has gifted you, that that gift translate ver- translates very well into the gift of teaching, but not always. Don't assume just because you're good at teaching English in whatever setting that you're naturally good at this because it's about understanding, applying the truth of the word of God. Are you with me? And so God will often super enhance someone's natural gifting, but there are other times that you couldn't teach your way out of a paper bag in a classroom, and yet when you're surrendered to the spirit of God, there's this eloquence and this teaching that comes forward, and it just shows even more how the Holy Spirit is leading and how he's empowering and how he's using you. So, um, so that's the gift of teaching, and it's something that you think about and, and you lean into um, and, and pray about. Next one is the gift of encouragement. The gift of encouragement is literally a supernatural ability to come to one side, to comfort, to build them up, and to move them forward in their relationship with God. Think about that. Coming to someone's side, building them up, moving them forward in their relationship with God. This is the gift of encouragement. The word that literally comes here, the root word is the same as how Jesus described the Holy Spirit. He said, I will send you the paraclete, the comforter, the one who will come beside you and lead you into all truth. It's that same one that you come, and in that encouragement, there is a comforting. There is a strengthening. There is a building up, and you're moving someone forward in their relationship with God. I know that um, God has many that have the gift of encouragement here in this house but there's some you have that gift and you don't even know it's a, it's a gift. You don't even know that the Holy Spirit's given that to you. But we see in the scripture that God uses those people so beautifully. One of them, I think the most famous example of someone that had the gift of encouragement was a man named Barnabas, that the gifting was so pronounced in his life that he got the title, Son of Encouragement. And what do you see? You see in certain situations, he comes alongside at these key moments. He builds up, he encourages, and he moves someone forward in the relationship with God, in the plan and purpose of God. God has that gifting in some of you. Some of you, you felt like such an urge to just come alongside of someone as they're walking through something. You just, you have that urge, just come and encourage and just help them along in that path. That just may be the Spirit of God speaking through you, prompting that. Um, Cultivate that. Learn to lean into that. Learn to pray into that because he may have gifted you with the gift of encouragement. We doing okay? The next one is the gift of giving. The gift of giving. Did you know that that was a gift? The gift of giving. It's the supernatural ability to give freely with delight and with love to the purposes of God. This is a pretty good place for a little statement that we need to make. When the offering basket comes through, uh, please do not turn to our ushers and say, I'm sorry, I do not have the gift of giving. It doesn't work that way. Are you with me? It doesn't work that way. We are all called to obedience. We're all called to evangelize. We're all called to, but there is a gift that God will give to some that's going to take that and he's going to take it to the next level. That's the best way that I could say it. We're all called to give. The Bible's clear on that. We give because God gave for us and he gave us so much. And we're even called to generosity to determine in our own hearts how we should give. But there are some that the Holy Spirit gifts in such a way that they actually have the gift of giving. And the way the Spirit works through them is their, their giving um, is directed towards the purposes of God. They, they give freely and, and generously. They give with delight. And they give in such a way that it's enhancing the purposes that God has. The gift of giving sometimes even is the God-given ability to earn in such a way. They're earning, but they're earning and they're building up something so that they can use it for the purposes of God. 
They're directing it towards the purposes of God continually. And what happens is the, the body's built up, ministry's happening, and it's very beautiful. I use the example of someone, let's say that you're a super couponer. You love couponing, and you, you can stretch a dollar so much. And, and as you're doing that, you're able to take what you spend $100 on, and it would normally cost someone $1,000. And you have all this stuff. That might be a natural gifting in you. But perhaps if someone has the gift of giving, God has given you that strategy, that ability to do those kind of things, to save funds, to uh, build it up. But he's given it to you and given you a burden to use all that's been saved up to now go and be used for the purposes of God, to sow that into a ministry, to help that. I think that's where the gift of giving starts to be ignited. Does that make sense? So I'm trying to help you process that. But God will give that, and he'll give a joy. I saw as I'm over in Africa, I saw people, and as I'm walking, there are buildings and villages and orphanages and medical clinics, and they're like, that right there, that was donated by one man. And that was donated by this family right here. And, that, and I'm just seeing that kind of the gift of giving. And some of them, trust me, these people aren't millionaires, but God has so burdened them that they're kind of making all these decisions. They're just doing everything they can, and they're changing lives forever. And I'm like, wow, look at the gift of giving just like on display. And they're not trying to take any credit, but they just want to see the purpose of God. They're willing even in themselves that there's a joy in them sacrificing because they want to see that happen. I thought about that. I thought, what would it look like if someone became so burdened by what they were seeing, the purpose that God had? Like, as I was in Africa, it's like I see people that didn't have access to food, and you're driving to a nice restaurant on a Saturday, and you're talking to your family, and you're all burdened about that, and you say, you know what? We're about to spend $100 on that meal. What if we turn back around, we make some pasta at home, and we just feed a family for a month with this? I mean, like, you, you get what I'm saying? Like, those kind of things can start happening in someone's mind, and I, and I think that the Spirit begins to prompt, and anyways, that's just an idea. Uh, I, I, I know we're out of time almost, so... I think it's a, it's a beautiful thing, and God's been stirring me. Church, uh, God's going to use us in some amazing ways in the future. I can't wait to talk to you more about it when the time's right. All right, so we talked about the gift of giving. Remember, you don't turn away our ushers, tell them that you don't have the gift of giving. Please don't do that. You could do it once, and they'll laugh with you, but please don't do it twice. No. Um, the gift of leadership. Gift of leadership, such an important gifting to the church. The gift of leadership is the Holy Spirit-enabled ability to organize, direct, and implement plans to lead others in various ministries of the church. God calls and builds leaders in the church. He raises up leaders. He prepares leaders to prepare God's people to do work, to help move the organization of the church forward, to help think creatively and strategically about direction, about goals, about plans and process for the future. And God has gifted, and the Holy Spirit has gifted people with this ability. When you look here, there are two different words that are used, and I just want to put them on the screen. We'll talk more about this when we get to the other one as well in the weeks to come. But you'll see in Romans chapter 12, verse 8, right where we're at now, there's a different word that's being used here in the Greek uh, to describe the word for leadership. And let's go ahead to that next slide if it's there. This word here is meant, it means to lead and to care to lead and to care for the flock, like literally as an overseer, kind of helping to lead and to care. And that's a part of the leadership that God has given and gifted to the church. He's put people and he's given them that gift of leadership so they could lead well. And then when we get to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28, we see another word that's being used. And this word literally means shipmaster or captain. And when we look at this word meaning shipmaster or captain, it's literally meaning someone that's out on the horizon looking and charting a path forward, thinking about goals, thinking about strategy, thinking about big picture, long-term direction. I want you to know the church needs people that are going to walk in the gifting of leadership so that we can become everything God has created us to be in the future. Amen? I'm thankful that God has raised up men and women of God here, and they often are a part of our deacon board and other kind of committees and groups, and God is using the gift of leadership to help move us forward into the vision that God has for us. So as we come to you in the future and we share with you about, about future plans and vision and things like that, thank, thank God for those that have the gift of leadership to help chart the course. Amen? So that's what the gift of leadership is all about. And as people come to you, maybe soon, if you're a member of Evangel, someone might be recognizing that the gift of leadership might be in you. And you might be approached, and someone might tap you on the shoulder, and you would think, oh, no, that's not me. You better pray if the Holy Spirit has gifted you. I'd ask you to pray and ask, because you may be asked to serve in some capacity in the future. But don't let that be based on your own thoughts, your own fears, your own insecurities. Go and ask, is this how you've gifted me? Is this how you're called me to use my gift for you in this season? Will you do that, church? Finally, 
We have the gift of mercy. And come on up, Pastor Rick, and the worship team. The gift of showing mercy to others. It's this beautiful gift. It's a spirit-guided ability to manifest practical, compassionate, cheerful love towards suffering members in the body of Christ. So the gift of mercy, that when someone hurts, the Bible says, when one part of the body hurts, we all hurt. We felt that in our body where someone on our team had lost a loved one very near and dear to them. And there was an ache in the church, wasn't there? And there's an ache because when one hurts, we all hurt. But you know what I thank God for? And what I saw showered over that family was the gift of mercy. This spiritual gift, not just natural condolences. It's this practical, this compassionate, this loving, embracing for someone who's suffering. Do you know the Spirit of God is in that? Do you know he's gifted some to do that, to literally come alongside and to be that for others? And when we're walking in that gift, people are built up, people are encouraged, people are suffering. It's like a balm over them because the Spirit of God is ministering to their heart through you. So don't neglect that gift. I was talking to Pastor Marsha, and, and, and as we were talking between services, we have to realize that the gift of mercy is, I believe, one of the, one of the foundations for the supernatural and for the miraculous, even for healing. Because it, it says Jesus, he was moved with compassion. Deep within him, he saw the broken, like sheep without a shepherd. He's moved with compassion. And moved with compassion, Jesus moved out and he began to heal. He began to minister. I want you to know that becomes some of the birthplace of a miracle. That as you have the gift of mercy and you're ministering and as we're praying, God just might lift them right up and heal them, restore them. So we'll see that and we'll see how gifts work together in that way. Perhaps God's given you the gift of mercy. Perhaps God is doing that and the Spirit of God is moving through you, desiring to move through you. We took time, and I know I went through this list relatively quickly. We're going to give you this resource. Come back in the weeks to come. We'll have this available. You have all the definitions. You'll be able to prayerfully consider how God has gifted you. But to just know it is one thing, to step into it is another, and that's what we're going to help you do in the weeks to come, to learn your place, to figure out how God wants to use you in the future for his kingdom, to be a part of the body of Christ. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes with me? I feel prompted to do one final thing before we close our time together. I've talked about all these things, these beautiful giftings, this beautiful way that God works in the church and desires to work in your own life. But I want you to know today, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you've not surrendered your life to him, you don't get to experience any of what we've talked about today. This only happens in the life of someone who has turned to Jesus, who has asked him for forgiveness, who has committed their life to follow him. It doesn't matter how naturally gifted you are. It doesn't matter how many good things you have done in your life. At the end of your life, the only thing will matter is how you responded to Jesus. And today I want you to know he loves you so much. The greatest gift that God gave wasn't any of the things that we've talked about today. It was his son, Jesus. God loved us so much that Jesus came and he lived and he walked among us. And then he died on a cross. Very painful death, but he was paying a price for our sins, for our wrongdoing, for the wrong choices that we make time and again that break the heart of God. And three days later on Easter Sunday, which we celebrate, and we say the tomb is empty, he is risen. It's because 2,000 years ago on Easter Sunday, on that day, three days after he died, he rose from the dead. And today you cannot find his grave anywhere because he rose from the dead. Proving that everything he said, everything God said about him is true. And he promised this, that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That everyone who comes to him, and there's no other way to come to God except through him, can experience forgiveness, can experience salvation, can experience a brand new life, can experience every promise we've been talking about today. But it all starts with Jesus. And so today, the question is not, do you know about Jesus, but do you have a relationship with him? Have you asked him to forgive you of your sins? Have you turned away from your old life? 
And are you ready to really follow him? And so if you're ready to do that today, I want to pray with you a simple prayer. But I want to tell you, don't hold back. Don't sit on the fence. Don't wait any longer. Today's the day to make a brand new beginning with God, to have a real relationship with him. So if that's you and you say, Pastor, I'm ready. I want to do that. That's me. I want to follow Jesus. Don't wait another second. If that is you, I want you to shoot your hand up right now at me and just wave at me. If that's you, lift your hand above your head. I'm going to pray for you. Come on, if that's you, just lift your hand high up right now. Praise the Lord. Is there anyone else that that's you? Lift your hand up. Don't be ashamed. Just lift it up. I see hands going up. Praise God. Church, come on. Praise the Lord. He's moving on hearts and lives of people. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Is there anyone else? I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. Let's all stand to our feet. Come on, everyone in the room, just stand to your feet. If you raised your hand, you stand to your feet and just have your hand up right now. If that's you, just lift your hand above your head. If you're saying yes to Jesus for the first time today. Come on, church, let's celebrate one more time. We got hands going up around the room today. Just keep it up for just a moment. We're going to pray for you in just a moment. I want you to say this prayer from the bottom of your heart. Pray with me. And let's all say it from the bottom of our heart. But if you're saying it for the first time, say it today. You're speaking to the Lord himself. Pray, dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and forgive me of my sins, which separated me from you. I believe that you came and that you died and that you rose again for me. Today I decide to follow you all the days of my life. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for leading me. In this brand new way, I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Can we praise God? Thank you, Lord. Listen, I want to pray for those. Church, I want you to pray for those. If someone was around you and they had their hand up and they still have it now, extend a hand towards them right now and just begin to pray for them. Begin to pray that the Lord helps them to grow, helps them to know his love. Lord, we pray for everyone today that responded to you. Lord God, help them to take a next step. Help them to continue to follow you. Help them to be baptized, Lord God, in the next few months. Help them, Lord God, to read your word. Help them to grow and continue to come again and again. And I pray, Lord, that as they're serious about following you, that you'll lead and guide their lives forever. Holy Spirit, would you fill them in such a way? Would you help them to see their gifting? And would you help them to walk in it, Lord God? so that they can fulfill the plan and purpose you have for their lives. In Jesus' name, Lord, help us all with that, we pray. In your name, amen and amen. Praise God. Praise God. Listen, as you get ready to go, we're going to dismiss you now. But I want to tell you, if you said yes to Jesus for the first time, please do me one thing. There's too many people. We don't have enough time. We have an event right after this. Please take out your phone. If you raised your hand, let me know. Take out your phone right now and just send me a text message. Send Jesus to that number, and that'll let me know that you made that decision today, and I'd love to connect with you this week. So that you don't leave today without sending that text message. Let us know so we can connect with you. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday. If you're new to Evangel, we'll see you at New to You.